This past year, I've had the privilege of being moderator of Glasgow Presbytery, and although it's been a difficult and challenging year as we've wrestled with presbytery planning, I know you know all about that, <laughs> and we've hold, or held rather in tension the cuts in ministry with a call to be missional. At the same time, I've had the opportunity to witness some great outreach projects in communities around the presbytery, and I wanted to share just a little of that with you this morning. There's an ecumenical food project working out of St Gregory's in Mary Hill in Glasgow, where two Roman Catholic congregations and Mary Hill Ruchill Parish Church work together to provide a weekly breakfast for folks in the community and a locally resourced food bank as well. The priest at St Gregory's gave over some of the space in his house so that local volunteers could store and distribute food from there. As the need in the community has grown, the priest has released more and more of his home. I was told when I was there, he has 17 rooms in his house, so there's still room for expansion. And there's a retired primary school teacher and member of St Gregory's who gives 25 hours of her time per week unpaid to act as coordinator of the project. And she thinks nothing of it whatsoever, although she did say her family thought a lot of it. <laughs> In Campus Lang, where I worship, we have a food project which runs on Monday and Wednesday evenings. Volunteers pick up food from local supermarkets and bring it to the church. It's food that would ordinarily go to landfill, although it's still within its use-by date on that day. And between 9 o'clock and 9.45 in the evening, the church doors are open and anyone from the community can come in and take what they need. And people start queuing outside the church, can you believe it, at 6 o'clock in the evening. And those who are waiting include mothers with young children, they include Ukrainian families who are housed in emergency accommodation in Cambus Lang, they include single men and women who are often troubled by addiction, and they often include students as well. And in the winter months, we open the sanctuary from 7 o'clock so that people can come inside and wait in the warm. And recently a man was spotted taking a Bible out with him as he left the food project. And when the lady said to him, are you taking that home to read? He said, no hen, the pages are really thin and they're great for making spliffs. <laughs> if you don't know what a spliff is, come and ask me later. <laughs> Not that I have ever smoked one. There are countless other church projects reaching out to people in communities in Glasgow and beyond, and I know that you're engaged in some of that work here too. We live in a society where because of poverty and unemployment, addiction and fractured relationships, people find themselves in real and desperate needs, and the church is called to respond to that need. Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord prepares a banquet for us, a banquet. It's not just enough food that we need to eat, it is a banquet. And it's therefore incumbent upon us who receive that to give the same to others. And so we feed hungry mouths and signpost people to agencies who provide help that we can't do. But I would contend that we have so much more than that to offer. 
People are searching for more than food for their bodies. Do we regularly see on the news stories which gather us together as human beings? Rarely, I would say, on a regular basis, the news which beams its way into our homes is full of stories that tell of disjointed and divided society, whether it's political or religious or personal. People are looking for community. People are looking for places to belong. People are looking for relationships which are real and which nourish them. And that's the DNA of the church. So why aren't people coming to church? Why don't we have ministers entering into training, enough ministers to replace the raft of ministers who are just about to retire? Why don't we have younger generations committing themselves to congregations? Why are we having to close buildings and unite congregations? I don't have the answer to all of these questions. In fact, I may not have the answer to any of these questions. It's a very, very, very complex picture. But I did want to share some insights this morning from the passage from Acts. We as Christians are called to follow the example of the first believers. The first believers who gathered together in Jerusalem after the resurrection. We are called to engage with the word of God on an intimate level. We are called to enter into meaningful fellowship with one another, to break bread together, and we are called to pray together. I'm not going to pretend that all of that isn't hard work. If I was to add all of that in any depth to the full working and personal life I already have, I would need to lay down things which I'm presently engaged in to accommodate it. And perhaps today, today is the day when I begin to reflect on that and make new priorities. But do you know if we did that? If we did that, the results could be beyond our imagining. Remember, the Lord added daily to the group of the first believers. Every single day, new people came to faith. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? If in the next seven days, the Lord added 10 people per day to this church family, you'd see 70 new people when you came to worship next week. Now, I don't think you've got 70 spare chairs. And you'd find people sitting in the seat that you're sitting in this morning. <clears throat> and that might be awkward for you. Having new people in church can be difficult, but my goodness, wouldn't it be wonderful? I was speaking with a colleague this week who has two new members joining her congregation today. They are jumping for joy, and quite rightly. There are congregations in the Church of Scotland who haven't had new members for years and some for decades. And that's the reality that we are living with. So we are called to engage with the Word of God on an intimate level. 
The first believers spent their time learning from the apostles. The apostles had been with Jesus. The word of God for them and for us is dynamic. It is challenging. And it will change the way that we understand the world. It is a huge risk to engage with the word of God on an intimate level. A huge risk. It is a bigger risk to the world if we don't. I wonder where your Bible is today. Do you have it with you? Is it at home? Are the pages thumbed? Are the corners turned down? Do you like highlighting passages that are appropriate and and important to you? I have a, a large print version of the Bible, which I love because my eyesight is not all that great. And it's about maybe about twice the size of this and really heavy because it's big. But it gives me space to stick things in between the pages. And so I've got a palm cross for Easter in there. I've got a prayer, a, a version of the 23rd Psalm in Doric. My granddad spoke Doric and somebody gave it to me. It's very, it's very precious to me. I have an order of service from a funeral, which, which meant a lot to me in there as well. It's just a book that is, it is stuffed with things that are important to me. I haven't yet ripped out the pages for spliffs. As Christian communities, this passage calls us, it calls us afresh to engage with the living word of God. How does that happen here? I know you've got a prayer group because I think I saw that on your order of service. How could the prayer group develop that? We are also called to come together in fellowship The new community of believers enjoyed fellowship together. They enjoyed the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It inspired their lives together. They met in the temple courts in one another's homes. The word for fellowship used 22 times in the New Testament is koinonia. Koinonia is more than what comes as a result of going to a meeting together like this. It's a genuine connection with people. It's a bond of love and trust that is developed between the believers. And I saw some of that out there in the hall when I was waiting to come in. I remember going on a church trip to Iona where we lived in community for five days. We ate together, we worshiped together, we walked together, we talked together, we laughed together and enjoyed fellowship. I am a committed introvert And I'm not going to lie, I found it exhausting. And I was constantly trying to find quiet spaces and rocks to hide behind, just for a bit of peace and quiet. A colleague in the presbytery office on Friday suggested that all presbytery committees should go on annual retreat together. I confess I was about to surrender my Presbyterian credentials. Living life as a community accepts all, it respects all, it grows strong and lasting bonds of friendship, it celebrates the presence of the Holy Spirit both in and between believers. 
And remember, in the early church, those who were still to join, those who were on the outside, could tell that they were Christians on the inside because of the love that they shared with one another. I wonder how you could take time to reflect on how to develop further that sense of community in this fellowship. On Friday, I was sitting round the table in the Presbytery office. The staff all eat together. There's nine of us all together. It's a big staff. The chat is mostly entertaining, and we're all keen to see what each other has brought for lunch. Although no one wants to sit beside the person who has the egg sandwiches. I personally believe egg sandwiches should not be part of any community. Eating together, whether it's round a table in an office or in one another's homes, and providing for those in need is a central Christian virtue in this passage from Acts. From the outset, Breaking of bread meant celebrating the Lord's Supper, but it was so much more than that. The bread shared in this passage includes the resources of the community, including an individual's private property. That's quite a big ask. It's one thing, baking cakes and sharing them in church. It's quite another to share your car or your house with other people in your community. In Acts 4.32 it says, Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common, and God poured rich blessings on them all. And in the following chapter, in the account of Ananias and Sapphira, who kept some of their property from themselves, there's a very dramatic and sudden conclusion for them. You can read about that when you go home. Sharing food through food banks as you do or other projects is an expression of the life of the early church, but that early community was far more radical. What is it that can be done to show that this is a radical community, that you are a radical community of believers in this place? How is bread broken in a way that attracts in a counter-cultural way? And lastly, but arguably most importantly, prayer. The members of the early church knew that this new and counterintuitive community could not be sustained by itself. They had a deep, deep desire to know Jesus more, to listen to Jesus, to seek his will, and to work out how they could join in with what Jesus was doing. And they did it through regular prayer. We know how important intercessory prayer is. Prayer is asking Jesus to intercede in situations which we judge to be out of our control. And it's good practice to recognize that we can bring our burdens and place them in Christ's hands. How often, though, do we seek Jesus' will? How often do we listen to his challenge? How often do we look for what he is doing in our community so that we can join in with that 
more often we pray that Jesus will join in with what we are already doing. If we are to draw closer to Jesus in our communities, we need to pray individually together during worship out in the local area. My mum tells the story, or told the story, that when she was training as a nurse in the 1950s, matron in the hospital would gather the student nurses together before they went out onto the wards, and she would pray with them. Isn't that amazing? As a child, I remember corporate prayers at the beginning of the school day in my primary school. In the home of one of my best friends, I remember pausing before a meal so her father could say grace. Prayer has disappeared from so many of our public and private spaces. It is imperative that we continue to pray, to be places where the community recognizes that prayer is offered and that we offer to pray for them and with them. How do we do that? How do we show our communities that we are places of prayer and invite them to ask for prayer? When I read this passage again this week, I was struck by my own sense of inadequacy and a really deep desire to do better. I desire to live the life as the early believers live, but I know that my own personality fights against some of what this community engaged in. You may share similar feelings. So hear this. God has blessed you and equipped you with particular gifts. He wants you to use your gifts and stop bemoaning the fact you don't have some of the gifts you might like. It's a bit like that grumbling earlier on. This passage today calls us to a radical model of church and not one of you nor I has the gifts to achieve it on our own. But together we do. We have all of those gifts. I shared four challenges from the passage today. How does study of God's word happen in this church family and how could it grow? How could you take time to reflect on developing or further developing fellowship? What is it that can be done to show that this is a radical community of believers in this place and how is bread broken in a way that attracts people in a counter-cultural way? That's two. And how do we show our communities that we are places of prayer and invite them to ask for prayer? Can I humbly suggest that you harness your energy and select one of those questions to reflect and act upon? Any tiny bit of progress towards the first century model of church will be rewarded. It will be rewarded because the church is the only organization which Jesus began. And he has promised to bless it and maintain it. And all he is calling us to do is to come together in action to do our part and work alongside him. 
And so as you reflect and pray on all of this this week, I just ask that God would bless you as you work out how you're going to answer that call on your own lives and the life of this community. Amen.